it is, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking, everybody say looking. There, there's a goal, there's something ahead of us. Unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And he, he's saying here that Jesus was our example, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Look at this, he's now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, there was a goal, there was a prize, and the commitment is always worth it. I'm going to speak for the next few moments on the subject, faith, focus, finish. Three words, faith, focus, finish. You may be seated. A few months ago, the Summer Olympics were held in London, England, and these games are always very inspiring storylines. They usually have stories that come out of those of great determination, great commitment, one story this year in particular that caught my attention was that of the American runner, Manteo Mitchell. During the qualifying race of the men's 4x4 relay, and I want to emphasize this was a relay, Manteo Mitchell's job was to run that first leg of the relay and pass the baton, like Justin said, to the next guy. And that distance was 400 meters. About halfway through, at 201 meters, he felt a pop in his leg. He later said it felt like somebody literally snapped his leg in half. It was later confirmed that he did, in fact, break his leg. Now imagine with me this morning that you're Manteo Mitchell and you're running the qualifying first leg of the men's 400 or the men's 4x4. And you realize that the rest of the, of the lap, the rest of the run, depends on you. If you don't get the baton to the next guy, it's over. He has, at this moment, a choice to make. Do I stop or do I go on? Manteo Mitchell later said that quitting was never an option. He went on and finished that leg of the race in good enough time to qualify the U.S. team. And they later went on to win the silver medal. But Manteo credited more than just simple adrenaline. He credited more than the world stage that he was on. He said that three words kept going over and over in his mind, and they were faith, focus, finish. He said that all he could think about as he ran was faith, focus, finish. And he began to say them in his mind over and over and over, and it allowed him to get there and pass the baton to the next guy. Against all odds and against all pain, Manteo Mitchell's self-talk helped him follow through on his commitment to himself, his teammates, and to his country, and he finished his mission. We're inspired by stories like that. We're inspired by stories of commitment because really when you, when you really get down to it and boil it all down today, commitment in our society and in our day really doesn't mean very much at all. People our day are not committed to marriages, they're not committed to relationships, not committed to family, not even committed oftentimes to one another. Further, seemingly, our society is one that is not committed to religion, values, ideals. In the words of one poet, we really are a people that is just blowing in the wind. A society in which the motto seems to be, if it feels good, do it, and worry about the consequences later. In fact, it could be stated that not only does our society not honor commitment, 
it does very little to do anything to applaud those who do. But if we were honest in taking a look at those among us that are successful, those that are the achievers in any field, we would have to agree and we would have to say that they get results because of commitment. They're committed to something. Anybody that achieves anything has to make a commitment somewhere along the way. Either they have to commit to a cause, commit to self-development, commit to education, commit to development of any kind. Nothing worth achieving is ever done without some sort of commitment along the way. A more important truth, sadly out of fashion in these times, is that in order to achieve anything by eternity's measure, we have to stay committed to our walk with God, to the kingdom of God. Those who receive anything in the spirit, whether it be divine direction, eternal calling, those who achieve spiritually in a prayer life or soul winning or answers to prayer, they do so by placing high priority on commitment, commitment to their walk with God, commitment to the voice of God, a stalwart, passionate commitment to living for God. Jerry Rice was the former Super Bowl winning wide receiver of the San Francisco 49ers. I want you to listen to what he said. He said, today I will do what others won't so that tomorrow I can do what others can't. That's a powerful statement. That's a statement of commitment. That's a statement of commitment. In other words, even when I don't want to, even when, I don't, even when it's not easy, I'm going to get up and do what I must, and I know that the reward will follow. I know that the goal will come. I know that what I'm striving for will be achieved. In life, committed people are those ordinary people doing extraordinary things. In every life, all of us here today, every breath we breathe is being sewn into something. For most people, it is sewn unto very little. But for the committed, that is unacceptable. For committed, settling for the ordinary is offensive. The moment the committed find a cause worthy of sacrifice, they realize that it will cost something. But for the committed, sacrifice is simply the fire that fuels them on to greater achievement. Today, this service has been very beautiful. And I was so moved by the presentation with Brother and Sister Alexander. I absolutely love Brother and Sister Alexander. And this is not really in my notes, but I do want to say, uh, in looking at my life and looking at the lives of the students I leave, uh, lead, we don't have that kind of commitment. We, I notice I said we. I'm not beating up on anybody. We tend to quit when it gets hard. We tend to think, well, that, you know, we throw up our hands and say, well, that must not have been God's will, so I'm going to go try something else. These people just kept on. They said, we're here to stay. We're, we're committing. And so they kept on and kept on and kept on until they received a breakthrough. My generation could could benefit very handily from that kind of attitude. Let me move on. Many here today are committed, not only the Alexanders, but, but we could go right down the list and talk about commitments that we've all made down through uh, the years. I didn't know Pastor was going to make the comments he made, but I was reminded of a young man that uh, attended our youth group back in the Baker days as we finally began to call them, or started calling them the Baker days, but Kelton Knows was a young person that was committed to a relationship with God. And I'm bringing your story to his attention today because Kelton has lived now long enough to see the benefits of what it's like to stay committed even when it's hard. When Kelton first started coming to Baker Church, Grace Church in Baker, he came alone. Nobody else in his family came. He rode 
with his grandmother most times. Finally, Kelton was old enough to uh, get a driver's license and get a car, and he began driving himself to church. It wasn't long after that that he began to bring his two brothers to church with him. And I want to emphasize that these boys were fired up. They were on fire for God. I'm talking in the altars, weeping, crying, shouting. It wasn't like they just moped into church and somehow thought they were doing some sort of duty. They were motivated to be there, buddy. They were glad to be in church, and they were on fire. And it wasn't long before they began witnessing to the young men in their neighborhood. And Kelton would pack that car full of young men. I mean, I've never seen so many people in a car. And I can remember we'd go up to the church to play basketball, and Steve and Marcus and I would get there. It was the three of us, and we couldn't wait for Kelton to get there because he had like six other basketball teams in his car with him. And so the party really started once he got there. But many of those boys received the Holy Ghost, and many of them were baptized in Jesus' name. And frankly, looking back, they were the youth group. I mean, we had a youth group of probably 12 to 15, and most of them rode to church with Kelton. I'm not kidding. That's true. And, uh, and so, but, but I want you to understand, Kelton did all of this without parental involvement. In fact, if anything, probably his home environment was a little hostile to what he was trying to do. But he stayed at it. He kept at it. And I can remember any time they asked for prayer requests, Kelton raised his hand and said, please pray for my mom and dad. I want to tell you today, Kelton is now, he's here today, and he's old enough now to look over his shoulder. And his mom and dad are serving God today. His mom and dad do live for God today. I want to tell you, there's a blessing in commitment. I want to tell somebody here today, it may be hard right now. You may be running with a broken leg, but if you will keep to keep on keeping on and keep doing what God has told you to do. There is a reward on the other side. There is a finish line. There is a prize. Stay committed. Faith, focus, finish. Faith, focus, finish. Praise God. The Bible says that your young men will dream dreams and your young, old men will see visions. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I believe that that is where we could be in just a short amount of time if we will really commit ourselves to the kingdom. I believe we could see our youth group, collision students, having dreams, seeing visions, prophesying. In other words, being used in the gifts of the Spirit. I want to tell you what Tozer said, the theologian. He said, it is time for us to rise up, get out of the rut and routine, and begin to take our Christian faith seriously. That's the bottom line right there. If we were ever to get serious about our commitment, if we were ever serious about getting out of the rut, if we were ever serious about doing something for the kingdom of God, there's no telling what would blow across this place. We would see miracles. We would see signs and wonders. We would see people being healed. I don't care how young you are or how old you are. God will move if we will commit like never before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry. Um, and Brother Merrill's right, I can't see the clock. There is an intense glare. But I, I know about how my timing is on this, and I've got to hurry. I want to break down those three words for the next few moments. Faith, focus, finish. Let me just talk about those as it applies to our walk with God very quickly. Jesus Christ, I think, uh, when he called the disciples, is one of the best examples I can give of uh, faith, focus, finish. Those 12 men that were willing to step out and follow Jesus. I want you to imagine today what it must have been like. And I want you to keep in mind that we read the Bible, we know how a lot of the stories end, okay? We're looking at it kind of a bird's eye view. We see it from beginning to end. But imagine if you were one of the 12 men that Jesus called to be disciples, what it must have been like for a man that nobody even knew, not really, to walk up to you 
and ask you to leave your trade, your job, your occupation, your home, your family, essentially leave everything you knew, everything that was comfortable to you, everything that your security, to leave all of that and follow him. He said, come follow me. And then he began to say things about a kingdom not of this world. So if you were under the illusions that he was talking about overthrowing the government that was in place at that time, he took care of that right away. He was talking about a kingdom not of this world. And then he went on to promise them suffering in the present world, but eternal reward in the world to come. And then he dropped the bomb on them and he said, now, it won't be too long once we get this thing going. They're going to kill me and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check on out of here. I'm going to send and I'm just going to leave the whole thing with you. That sounds like a, a strange proposition to me. I, I don't know if I would have said yes just off the cuff like these men did. In fact, I would have to kind of scratch my head a little bit. And, and the Bible tells us that there was a man that had recently been executed because the Roman government thought he was trying to put together a rebellion. And so I believe that the disciples probably had to really go through some calculations and some self-study and really weigh the cost before they said yes. It wasn't without risk. It wasn't without its, its, uh, its difficulties when they said yes to follow Jesus. But there was something about the way, I want you to get this, something about the way Jesus Christ walked up to them and spoke their name. Something in his voice. There was something in his manner, the way he carried himself. It was as if another worldly presence passed between them when he began to speak to them. And so we know that with reckless abandon, these disciples took the leap of faith and followed Jesus Christ. And they committed to him on little more than a promise. You might say that Jesus cast the vision and they had the faith to commit to it. And we view that on this side of history. And we see the happy ending that I will describe to you in just a moment. But it was not easy for those 12 men. It was not easy to go back and explain to your mom and dad that you're leaving the family business to follow a man that nobody had ever heard of. And I want you to consider with me this morning the fact that not everybody that Jesus called was so willing as these 12. In fact, I ask you to consider a guy that we call the rich young ruler. I don't know why we call him that. The Bible doesn't say he was young and the Bible doesn't say he was a ruler. It does say he was rich. But this young man, I guess, supposedly a young man that was rich, Jesus really cast a similar vision to him. He came to Jesus at some point and he said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to have eternal life. I want to be a part of what you are doing. And Jesus said very simply, he said, go sell all that you have and come follow me. It sounds a lot to me like the same terminology that he used when he called the disciples. Leave your security, leave what you have, and come follow me. I'm just wondering here, I'm kind of using my imagination, but I wonder if this man was supposed to be the 13th disciple. There's not a whole other lot of people, not a lot of other people in the Bible that Jesus says, come follow me, other than the 12. And other than this man, I don't know what Jesus's plans were for this young man. I don't know what what he wanted to do with him. But the Bible says the man went away sorrowful because he could not make the commitment that Jesus Christ asked for. And so the only difference between him and the 12 is that the 12 said yes. And this man said no. And so consider this with me. This man's name is lost to history. This man's name was not recorded in the Bible, but yet the 12 men that Jesus called disciples, we all know their name. 
They wrote parts of the Bible. They turned their world upside down. They established the church that we know today because they were willing to say yes. What a decision they made. What an opportunity they took advantage of. These 12 men founded the greatest institution in the world called the church. They have a part in the story of the redemption of mankind. I would say that their commitment was worth it. And today, God is still calling you. He's still calling me. People who will have faith enough to commit to the cause. And he wants to do something through us and for us. And so here's the takeaway. If we have faith to step out and do what Jesus has called us to do to follow him, this is the deal. Commitment will place you on the list of God's greatest people. Talent will not get you there. Success will not get you there. What you have inherently in yourself will not get you there. Your commitment is what makes you valuable to the kingdom of God. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Commitment is what makes you valuable to the kingdom. Commitment is what made the disciples valuable. Now let's go to focus. With that faith that the disciples had to follow came great focus. We think of focus, we think of something that was once blurry, but it sharpens and comes into view when it's focused. More abstractly, focus is an absolute clarity about the vision or the purpose. It is that ability to lock into the mission in such a way as to eliminate distractions. There is a story, an incident that is told in John chapter 6, where uh, sometime into the ministry of Jesus Christ, sometime after the twelve had begun following him and began seeing the signs and wonders and the things that Jesus did, hearing his teaching. At some point in John chapter 6, Jesus comes to a multitude of people, and he teaches them, and he ministers to them, and he heals their sick and does all these wonderful things. But as he began to talk and as he began to lay out the kingdom of God and, and, and really what it was all about, at some point the teachings became too hard. They became too difficult. The Bible says in chapter 6, verse 67, that many walked away. Many left him and did not follow him. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, will you also go away? Peter replied, always the first to speak up. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Now listen to what he says in verse 69. He says, we believe, that's the faith. And are sure, that's the focus, that thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. If I could just summarize what he said, it's like this. We've surveyed the options. We remember what our life was like before you called us. We remember what it was like before we signed up. And this divine calling, this divine mission, this destiny is the best thing going in our lives. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. Yeah, sometimes it calls on more than I think I can give. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes I've got to run with a broken leg. But this is what I'm selling out to. This is worth it. This is worth every commitment. This is worth every price. This is worth everything i got to pour into it. I'm going to stay focused on my commitment. Clap your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want to tell somebody today, it's still worth it. 
I want to tell somebody today that the dreams that God has put down inside of you, the destiny that you feel inside of you when you go to bed at night and tears start streaming down your face, I want to tell you it's still worth fighting for. If you're here fighting a battle today in your family, I want you to know it's still worth the fight. I want you to know that the trials of this present world are soon going to be over, and one day we're going to stand before him, and he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. He's going to say it was worth it all. We're going to hear him call our name, and it's going to be worth every commitment. It's going to be worth every fight. It's going to be worth every battle. Praise God. Now let me get to the finish. It's all about the finish. They say that in speaking or acting or any kind of public performance, the audience will often forget a shaky beginning as long as you have a strong finish. It was one thing for the disciples to commit to begin that journey with Jesus. It was another thing for them to stay focused even when everybody else was walking away. But it was something else altogether for them to stay around and see the mission through to completion. Finishing strong is about follow through even when it hurts, just like our Olympic runner. Even when it's not convenient, even when others quit, even when there are easier options that would lead you in an opposite direction of where your commitment is leading you. That's finish. The headlines over the last several days have told this part of the story for me. Consider this. The world considered him a great success. They thought he had reached the end of his career, his finish, to great acclaim and at the top of his profession. However, it turns out that his life was one of shortcuts, compromises, cheating, lost vision, misplaced passion, and forgotten goals. And just this week, Lance Armstrong, who thought he had finished strong, was stripped of his seven Tour de France titles. Similar conclusions can be drawn from the recent stories of Joe Paterno, Jerry Sandusky, men who came to the end of their career as what should have been champions, men who were waiting for their names to be written in the history books, waiting for their accolades to follow them to the grave. Yet now the history books have to be rewritten. Wins have to be erased and accomplishments must be forgotten, all because they did not have the excellence of commitment and character to finish strong. Finishing strong takes long-term commitment and unwavering dedication to the cause. The writer in our text today said, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Could I just say it this way? Let us run with consistency the race that is set before us. Or let us run with commitment the race that is set before us. He says, in other words, we are to run with the end in mind. I like the saying that says we begin with the end in mind. In other words, before I ever started the race, I knew that I was going to end up across the finish line. And when that is my vision and when that is my goal, the current crisis or the current trial or the current hurt has no bearing on me because I am focused on finishing what I started. Praise God. Clap your hands to the Lord. Clap your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And that is why commitment is so important. I'm going to bring this into a conclusion, and nothing about this service has been orthodox, and my conclusion here in just a moment is going to follow that lead, but I'm going to do what I feel in the Holy Ghost. Does anybody know what time it is? I have no idea how long I've been preaching. <laughs> Thank you. 
The motto of this generation, here's my first conclusion, I've got two. The motto of this generation has become YOLO. Has everybody heard of YOLO? You only live once, Y-O-L-O. And for the most part, that is being bandied about in a negative sense, what I would call a negative sense. It's the, it actually, to me, it comes right out of the Bible. The Bible predicted it would happen. Eat, sleep, drink, for tomorrow we die. Or eat, drink, tomorrow we die. In other words, live for the moment. Don't worry about tomorrow, just you know, get your high, do what feels good, and don't worry about tomorrow. But, you know, you only live once, YOLO, is actually also true in the other way, in another way. And that is, you only have one life to live on this earth. And you should make every commitment necessary to make it count. Let me see if, if I can say this appropriately in the right way, because it's not in my notes, but you should live your life in such a way that at 90 years old, you're standing up here being applauded for your commitments and the things you stood for and the things that you believe in. Instead of somebody having to dig deep and try to really come up with something nice to say about you, it ought to be, it ought to be real and true. When you peel it all away, and, and here's, here's the message, here's what I want you to know. When you peel it all away and get to the core of the matter, we humans really want a cause to live for. At the end of the day, we want something to live for. We want a fight to fight. We want something. We want to be engaged in a battle that we can emerge from victorious as a hero. We want a battle. We want to give ourselves to a cause. The problem is, is that the enemy has convinced us that it's just not worth the fight. The enemy has conv convinced us that it's just not worth the commitment. But really, deep down, if you were honest with yourself, you want a fight. And that fight, very fundamentally, is the fight of our soul. It is the fight of living for God and contributing to the kingdom. Would you stand with me this morning? And um, <clears throat> let me see if I, can, if I can bring this in for a landing like I want to. God spoke to me Friday night. I was here at the church praying again for the service. I came to pray about commitment and service and our young people and myself. And I don't know how, other than the fact that it was a God thing, I got into this. But I began praying for our families. And I began travailing, literally, over our families here at Grace. And God began speaking to me about Grace and our families and I didn't want to deviate too much from the theme of this service. And so I, I, wanted to, um, I wanted to stay committed to being committed and uh, to the sermon topic that I had been given. But the more I began praying and the more I began seeking God, and, and he really, really rattled my cage and spoke to me very, very strongly about this, I realized that actually it was not two separate things, but it was all part of the presentation today, it was all part of what God wanted to do in the service. And what I understand and what God was telling me is that our families here at Grace this year in 2012 have been under spiritual attack. We've had financial issues, we've had health issues, we've had things happen that this time a year ago we'd have said no way, it'll never happen. And it's easy to say, well, it was the economy or somebody just got sick or 
somebody has an attitude problem or somebody is to blame. But really, when you strip it all away and you get right down to the core of the matter, we, our families, are under spiritual attack. The enemy this year has tried to obliterate our families here at Grace. And so what has happened is that some of us, some of our families were wounded in the fight. Some of us, if I could say it this way, you broke your leg while you were running the race. And you came here today just kind of wondering, should I keep going? Is it even worth continuing to show up with church without my spouse? Is it really worth trying to keep what's left of my family together? Is it really worth trying to pursue another business deal because they haven't been going well lately. I want to tell our families today that it is still worth committing your family to the kingdom of the living God. Hey, this is the only thing worth committing to. And before the devil takes you out and before you get discouraged about your family, I want you to know that it's worth going one more step. It's worth running one more lag of the journey. It's worth passing that baton to the next generation. Stay in the fight. Stay in the race. Our families are counting on us. And so I want you to know that if you will come down today and commit your family to the Lord, recommit, I should say, 2013. I'm telling you, I, I've got, this is the word from the Lord, guys. 2013 is going to be a different story. If we will commit to God today as our families, I'm telling you, we're not going to be on the defense anymore. We're going on offense, and we're going to take back what the devil took from us. We're going to take back what is rightfully ours, your kids, your spouse, your family, your home. God wants to give it back to you, but you've got to commit today. So listen to this. Listen to this, and then I'm going to tell you exactly what we're going to do. Isaiah 51, and I'm just going to grab a few verses out of here. It's not going to be on the screens. Listen to this, per what I just said. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence you were hewn, and to the hole of the pit from which you were digged. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all of her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. God's coming into your family today. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving in the voice of melody. How many could use a little singing in their homes, a little rejoicing in Jesus' name? Hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be you afraid of their revilings. In other words, don't be afraid of the enemy. For the moth shall eat them like a garment, and the worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever. Watch this. My salvation from generation to generation. God wants to do a spiritual transfer to your kids today. God wants to do a spiritual infusion into our youth group today. Last verse. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return. They're coming back, church. And come with singing unto Zion. And everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. I want to tell the families of grace today, God wants to do something in your home. God wants to do something in your family. So let's do this. Hold on, guys. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Just a second. Thank you. Thank you for your zeal and your eagerness. Here's what we're going to do. I want everybody to come as a family unit. Whatever that looks like for you. I know it might be grandparent, grandchild, it may be single mom, single dad, 
Some of you are here by yourself, but at the end of the day, we're all one big happy grace family. So find somebody to link up with. Come on, quickly, quickly, quickly. God's going to do something in our homes in about the next three to five minutes. In Jesus' name. Now watch this. Here's what we're going to do.